What is type 2 diabetes and how does it affect the body? Listen in as Jim Brown shares his experience with type 2 diabetes and explains how to manage it if you have it and how to prevent it if you don't. Hey all, welcome to the one in five, the show for those who want to know how to be healthy, how to stay healthy, and how to promote health in your community. I'm your host, Adam Renshaw, and in today's show, we have James Brown with us, and we're going to be talking about how to manage diabetes if you have it, and how to avoid it if you don't. Welcome, Jim. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to have you, man. Hey, why don't why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? All right. Currently at One Health, I'm the diabetic educator at the Hardin Clinic, um, the campus, and um, been a nurse for RM for 25 years. Uh, I've got a background with the VA, so um, about eight years of working with veterans. Uh, almost all of whom had type 2 diabetes mm. um, due to the Agent Orange and other factors of being in the military. Um, and then last two years really concentrating on um, digging into uh, diabetic education and becoming a diabetic educator. Jim, if you don't mind me drawing attention to it, but I think you, f- you kind of have an accent. Are you from Montana or are you from, where are you from, man? I'm from Western North Carolina. Okay. The hills of North Carolina. <laughs> okay. I'm a little bit of a hillbilly. I, I, I love the accent, man. It's very soothing. Well, good. Uh, and I hope it's soothing to our listeners too. I hope so. Um, maybe if they like country music, I went to college with Kenny Chesney. So no way. Maybe they're yeah at East Tennessee State. He was one of the first people to go through the country music program at East Tennessee State. Awesome man. Yeah. And that's where you got your nursing degree. Was that East Tennessee State or no? Um, ended up at a small private college, Milligan College, uh, with an education in economics, <laughs> and went into finance and banking. Decided I hated the corporate world. <laughs> and um, I was ski patrolling at the time. And kind of all my friends I was hanging out with were flight nurses. And, you know, at the end of the weekend, they were all going back to pretty doing pretty much the same thing, just out of a helicopter. <laughs> and I was going back to getting in my little car and driving from Asheville to Nashville to Chattanooga, Atlanta. Okay. And just got tired of being on the road and micromanaged all the time gotcha so so what got you into nursing then you just was that part of it did you say i'm gonna go to school from here and that was it yeah i I love anatomy and uh, biology and nutrition and um all that so that was a no-brainer huh yeah it was kind of what i was cut out to do cool so you're a you're a diabetic educator now you said 25 years in nursing? 25 years as an RN, yeah. Okay. Um, have you been doing diabetes work the whole time, or is this something that you sort of grown into? No, I started out, the easiest way to start flying as a nurse was to work in the NICU. 
So I started out working in the NICU. Um, come to find out, I'm too big to fly in a single jet. <laughs> so um, uh, most of my um, transport experience was ambulances and okay. being a, a transport coordinator is where I ended up in the NICU world. Um, okay. And then moved on to, did a year of psych, so that kind of comes in handy. Um, and then started work with the VA, and then with the VA, I wanted to come to Montana. So um, I got a job in Great Falls with the VA, a lateral transfer, um, but they wouldn't pay relocation. So IHS has a unbelievable relocation package a friend of mine that yep. was working down in four corners turned me on to so i had a choice between browning and crow okay and ended up in the er at crow for three years and then a supervisor in the uh, bighorn hospital for a year fascinating jim i didn't know any of this nah, it's not that fascinating it, it is to me <laughs> one because my wife's a NICU nurse, yeah. so we have that in common, or you guys have that in common. Um, my wife's from Browning. Did you know that? No, too? I did not. So that's two, yeah. <laughs> um, she's Blackfeet. So. Awesome. Um, and so you had the choice between going to where she grew up or where she currently lives. <laughs> yeah. I got to looking at the weather and seeing those Chinook. 70 degree weather changes yep. and i was thinking my wife may not tolerate that it's beautiful up there though i can imagine beautiful well awesome thank you for sharing that uh you're a diabetic educator now we talked about that um but you also have type 2 diabetes tell us a little bit about that another wrinkle um started um on my when i go in to see the doctor i my fasting glucose was never less than 125, um, so it became a watch thing. Um, two or three years later, started having A1Cs popping up in the high sixes, sevens. Um, it's going to a friend of mine who was a NICU nurse that became a nurse practitioner, and he said, it's, it's time we started you on metformin before you start messing up some of your organs. <sighs> Um, so he started me on metformin. My A1C kind of um, just kind of dangled in the sixes um, and stayed that way for 20, you know, 20 some years. Not really, you know, I've never been a, other than potato chips and ice cream, I've never really been a candy. Um, sweet drinks. I had gotten off Mountain Dew a long time ago. Wish I'd never seen a Mountain Dew bottle. Amen. Um, and um, just kind of hung out there. And then Ozembic came along. Um, I'm now on Ozembic. Dropped 50 um, crazy pounds. And uh, my A1C's now hanging out between 5'2 and 5'5. Five five. Awesome. Um, so hopefully... You know, I'm healthy to stay. Um, you know, you get that weight off. That weight, all that fat is a, um, interferes with your hormones. Yep. Makes you feel bad. It, uh, it's anti, it's inflammatory. Fat triggers inflammatory diseases. And they are finding out that more and more of what we have wrong with us is related to inflammatory processes. Mm -hmm. Um, so getting that fat off was a great thing. Um, How do you feel? 
have a lot more energy. Um, went fishing Monday. Nice. Um, fell down three times in the cold water. <laughs> was able to self-rescue myself, <laughs> get the water out of my waders. <laughs> I have a spinal cord. On the bighorn? On the bighorn. Okay. I have a spinal cord injury, so okay. I have some real issues with numbness in my feet. I've promised my wife I'll never go back without my waiting staff. So Gotcha. Well, one thing we know, too, is that diabetes can affect the feet, and we'll get more into this uh, stuff later. Uh, but thank you for sharing all of that uh, information. It's good. I mean, you look good. Well, thank you. Um, I didn't know 50-pound heavier, Jim, so I don't know, you know, what what that was like for you. I've, you know, I've dealt with uh, periods in my life where – you know, to me, it's like a 10 pound, 15 pound difference, but I'm like, I'm in one of those areas right now where I feel like, Hey, I could drop 15 and I'd feel a lot better, you know? So, um, let's talk real quick about some statistics. Um, why this is important, right? Why diabetes is a big deal, particularly where we live. Uh, let, we'll, we'll go outward first and then we'll bring it inward. So I was I was looking up some statistics and uh, I found that 11.3 percent of the population of the United States has physician diagnosed diabetes. Uh, to me, that seems like a lot. That's over 10 percent of our population, right? Um, this was a big one, and you talked about A1C, and I want to ask you a question about that after this. 48 percent of people aged 65 and up have pre-diabetes. Now, we talked a little bit about your A1C, and you said you were sixes, sevens, until you started Ozempic, and then it dropped you down to like five, two, five, four. What is the pre-diabetes range, Jim? They start looking at pre-diabetes around 5.7. Okay. It's a little couple different organizations look at it a little bit different, but 5.7 is kind of the average. So right about 50% of the people are flirting with that 5.7 to six, six, two, is that what it is? Right. Um, in that pre-diabetes range on the A1C. And just explain A1C real quick, Jim. Um, your hemoglobin molecule, which um, lasts about three months, uh, has a side on it that um, collects um, glucoses when you have high glucoses. Um, they're able to go back through the marvels of technology and look at the at the hemoglobin molecule and get an average of what your blood glucose has been off over the last three months gotcha um so it's a snapshot of a of a period in time it's a three-month snapshot yep. yeah yep. it's an average of how your sugars have been you know if you've had a lot of 300s a lot of 150s you know, you're going to fall. It's going to average you out somewhere around 200. Gotcha. So about 50% of yeah. people age 65 and over are in that in that range, flirting, in other words, with diabetes. Diabetes educators are standing in front of a tsunami. And we have an aging population. I mean, I just talked with Dr. Hansen about this yeah. on the last podcast. And yes, that was one of the things that he brought up was we have a very large group, baby boomers, who are entering that that arena where they're yes. 65 up and up. So, so yeah. that's a big deal. Um, diabetes was the eighth leading cause of death in 2023. Yeah. And that's... 
that's completely scary because you don't you don't routinely die of diabetes. You routinely die of heart attack, stroke, um, other thing, um, kidney failure, other things related to the diabetes. So gotcha. that is just such a scary statistic. Well, it's down from 2017 when it was seventh. So that's <laughs> well, we lost a lot of the population. Um, COVID, you know, the huh? million that passed away during yep. COVID, yep. were the most susceptible people in our population. So, and people with diabetes were susceptible to having COVID. That's what you were saying, right? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Okay. So now let's narrow in. Um, we, as an organization, uh, have eleven sites, um, and I believe it's in eleven communities. I, I forgive me if I'm wrong on that. I wanted to narrow into one of our sites, the one that you uh, are a nurse at, the campus building at One Health Bighorn. 450 One Health Bighorn patients are being treated for type 2 diabetes. I saw that stat. That's that's a stat that they've pulled out, yeah. And then in the county, over 2,000 people have been diagnosed with diabetes, type 2. Yeah, and that's that's a real hard number to track down. It's kind of backed into from the CDC death by diabetes um, stats that are out there. There are three counties in Montana that are the worst counties in Montana. One is where the Blackfoot Reservation is. One is up around Fort Peck, and then we're unfortunately the third one. Wow! And these three counties just stand out like sore thumbs. Ouch. So it's a big deal, in particularly in this area that we serve. Um, I think it's really cool that this is really close to you, Jim, and I see your heart for wanting to help people, and I'm just really grateful uh, for that, uh, particularly, you know, since we started this sugar rush a couple of years ago and then having you join One Health and, and have this passion and this heart for diabetes. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Let's talk real quick. Let's just do a quick overview is what is diabetes? What's type one? What's type two? Let's talk about that. Okay. Top one is generally um, considered the result of an autoimmune reaction by the body. Um, it tends to show up after viral infections. Uh, your immune system gets turned on to fight a virus and just keeps fighting and identifies the pancreas, specifically the beta cells, as a problem and starts attacking them. And there goes your insulin production. Okay. And so type 1 diabetics typically have to take insulin injections frequently? Insulin dependent. They, If they did not have insulin... Um, over a period of time, they would not survive. Okay. They didn't survive before the invention of insulin. Ouch. Talk to us a little bit about type 2. Type 2 is more of a product of the way we live. Is that correct? Would that be a good way of saying it? That's ex- Yeah, it's um, self-induced. Okay. You might want to say it is insulin. Um, it is insulin resistance. Um, insulin, just a real quick rundown. Insulin is a hormone that is a key that unlocks every cell in your body to allow the transfer of sugar into every cell in your body. Every cell needs sugar, glucose. 
um, your each cell has a little furnace inside of it that burns glucose for energy. Can't do it. The cells can't do their job and they die without glucose. Um, type 2 diabetes is a trick that gets played on the cells and on the insulin. The cells change the lock. So the key no longer can open the cell and allow glucose in to, to energize the cell so it can do its job. So that, that, that's why people with diabetes feel so bad. They're run down. Lethargic. They're lethargic, don't have any energy. is because their cells are starving. Gotcha. Um, it's a long process. Um, the pancreas, after a couple of years of being a severe diabetic, just kind of gives up. Um, it's com- Your body compensates, is able to compensate and overcome this for a while, but then... Uh, when you really get on this other side of it and it starts to be a severe disease, then um, your body's just struggling. Gotcha. So <clears throat> what causes type 2 diabetes then? We talked a little bit about that key in the cells. So how, would, how would I get to this point where uh, my A1C is going up into that pre-diabetes diabetes range and NIH endorses that it's an evolutionary process. It's a way for your body, uh, when there's an abundance of carbohydrates, uh, when there's abundance of carbohydrates, your sugar, and you're you're consuming them, your sugars run out of the normal range, um, and that begins to trigger the insulin resistance. It's basically a way for you to store fat, those sugars get converted um, through everybody's favorite word, triglycerides, into fat and get stored around your your midsection. Okay, and that's your that's to survive times of famine. But modern people don't go through cycles of feast and famine as rapidly as um, the older people, the older generations. Um, Luckily, we've never experienced a famine. Sure. So there's nothing to reverse that. Um, you know, famine re- famine reverses type 2 diabetes. Gotcha. And it's an ugly way to do it. If I'm hearing you correctly, it, what it sounds like is it's it's really caused by what we're putting into our bodies. Exactly. Okay. It's when there's, when there's too much of the wrong type of food available and it's being consumed, it's creating diabetics. And I got to tell you, Jim, I love all kinds of wrong food. <laughs> it's just, I got to be on guard. Right. I really do. Right. All right, let's talk real quick about what happens to your body when you have, let's, let's, just, let's just narrow in on type 2. What happens to your body when you have type 2 diabetes? Um, well, first there's the no energy, the, the um, increase in fat, which causes the increase in autoimmune issues. Um, your, your eyes, your retinas, uh, start to get damaged from the high sugar levels, uh, especially when everything gets worse when you combine it with, um, high sodium levels. Okay. Um, the number one killer of diabetics is heart attack and stroke. Um, combine high sugar, high sodium with, um, high blood pressure 
and your arteries start to take a beating because imagine um, just grit and sand being pumped around your circulatory system at high pressures. It causes corrosion on your arteries, um, which causes scarring on the arteries, which is where um, plaques, which is the the um, LDL lipids are a big contributor to plaques. So the plaques accumulate in the scarred areas from the high sugars and the high blood pressure. And You're talking about cholesterol, right? Cholesterol, yeah. yeah. Um, Low-density lipids, cholesterol. Okay. And when that happens and those deposits break off, when those plaques break off and go to your brain or your heart attack, Everybody gets the answer right. That's a heart attack and a stroke. Gotcha. And those, we've talked about this before, uh, once again with Dr. Hansen in a in an episode about metabolic syndrome. This sounds like metabolic syndrome. Is that correct? Yeah. Very few people have type 2 diabetes that don't also have high lipids, um, high LDL lipids. They have high blood pressure and they have high triglycerides. Okay. Um, I've, I've read that it affects the nerves as well. Yeah. Nerves are kind of like if you imagine an extension cord and you wear the cover off of an extension cord, those barriers, um, cause the circuit to be broken and the nerves to not work anymore. So that's where the burning, the tingling, the, um, the neuropathy, uh, the gastroparesis, so your your intestines are also um, controlled by nerves. Those nerves get neuropathy, and then your intestines don't work right, and it's miserable, the nausea, the vomiting constantly. People can't digest food anymore. <sighs> uh, does it also affect the feet? It starts at the peripherals. So, yes, the feet are the first place that you notice because that's – the furthest from the from the brain oh um, uh, to, to get blood flow to correct is blood that? flow and then blood flow leads to the nerves breaking down yeah what about the eyes the retinas um so the high sugar levels um damage the um the blood vessels in the eyes uh the the retina's compensation for that is to make more blood vessels, uh, which is not a good thing for your vision in the long run. Uh, and so you start to have ret- uh, retinopathy. Okay. And I just want to reiterate this this one. I think you already said this. Um, diabetes plus high blood pressure just destroys the vascular system. That's Absolutely. Our heart, correct, and, and, yeah. and blood vessels and getting blood to the rest of our body. Yeah, the higher the, the higher the blood pressure, the more damage the high sugars and high sodiums in the, in the arterial system do. And another thing on the eyes, that's why we really push the annual um, dilated eye exams so that that retinopathy can be caught early and they can go in and laser those um, broken blood vessels and that overgrowth of blood vessels and save some vision. So it is treatable. Yeah, it's, it's, it still has issues, but you can keep it from being its worst. Gotcha. So 
Let's shift just a little bit. Let's talk about how uh, how how is diabetes normally treated from a medical standpoint. So I come in, I get this diagnosis. What's going to be next steps for me? If you start trending five 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 six on your A one Cs, you start trending um, every time you come in and have fasting labs drawn. Your glucose is over one hundred twenty five. Um, the doctors are going to start recommending regular exercise uh, and they're going to start recommending cutting out as much carbs as you can <laughs> and more of a med- you'll get sick of hearing Mediterranean diet but it's sure. yeah. it's honestly the only diet that that people are truly healthy on let's let's pause here for a second and let's just dive just a little deeper because I think I'm right about 5'2 on it, but I want to stay there on my A1C, okay? I already exercise. (laughs) That's not an issue for me. Eating is an issue for me. I know it is. So you said they're going to start recommending cutting carbs. What are some of those things that they're going to tell me at that point? Um, Sugar soft drinks. Um, Fufu coffee. With all the sugar and all the, the other things and these fancy coffees everybody's drinking every morning. What about black? Just No, black's fine. Okay, because I'm drinking black it's right the, now, Jim. Yeah, it's the additives. Sure. Um, not necessarily the cream because the cream has fat, so it's a ba- kind of a balanced carb. Um, but fried, fried French fries. Um, I've been told I can't give potatoes a bad rap. Uh, French fries definitely um, deep fat fried, right? Deep like, fat yes, fried. Um, you, you put your potatoes in bad fat and bad fat. <laughs> let it soak it all up. <laughs> yeah, the the, outs- the skin of the potatoes gone. Okay, in a in a box of French fries, um, breads, breads that don't have fiber. Uh, you know, Southern people love white bread. Yep, sure. Um, I love sourdough bread. That's probably yeah. a bad one too. Yeah, there's starting to be some sourdough that has some fiber in it. Okay, um, but you want if you're going to eat bread, you want whole grains. Okay, uh, if you're going to eat root vegetables, you want them as close to natural as you can eat them, um, because there's a division of starchy vegetables and non-starchy vegetables. Um, carrots, potatoes, all your root vegetables okay. have a lot of sugar. Uh, so if you're going to eat them, eat them as close to raw as you can and definitely with the skin on. Okay. Unlimited broccoli. Broccoli's good. <laughs> Broccoli's good. Okay. That's Cauliflower. good to know. Cauliflower. Cauliflower's good too? Yeah. Uh, spinach. Yeah. Leafy you vegetables. You can't overdose on spinach or kale. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's, uh, thank you for doing that. That, that gives... That points me in the right direction. I hope it points some of our listeners. Because, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about was how to treat if you have it, right? But how to avoid if you don't. Like, one of the things we, one of the messages we obviously want to get across is that this is a big deal. Feels like it's getting worse in certain areas, right? So let's take as much precaution as we possibly can in order to prevent uh, or give people the information that they need, right, in order to to prevent this happening with them. So so thanks for that. Um, Do doctors uh, 
with type two uh, and higher A one Cs, do they? Is there oral meds that people can take or? Generally, the front the front line oral medication is metformin, and like I said, it helped me. You know, if I'm getting any worse for years, you know, I wasn't eating crazy, I wasn't drinking alcohol crazy, um, but you know, it it did a good job for me. And then it's um, I've worked with some pretty holistic doctors at the VA that it's the last medication they stop because it's according to them, protective of the liver, protective of the organs. So as long as you tolerate it, um, a lot of the more holistic doctors like to see you on it. Okay. So diet, exercise, then there's oral meds. What happens uh, from a medical standpoint in in treating it if these things aren't working? Um, Because of the Ozambics and Victozas and Mongeros, we're kind of at a crossroads. Um. Several years ago, a couple of years ago, the next step would have been a long-acting insulin. You would take it night. Uh, you would stay on it for a couple of years. Uh, if it didn't, if it wasn't doing the job, you would stay on the metformin, stay on the um, long-acting insulin, and then start a fast-acting insulin with your meals. So it just progresses. It progresses. Gotcha. Yeah. But Ozimbic. Uh, Victoza, and I'm not a, I'm not a sales rep for any of those, but I'm also seeing what a huge difference um, they're making to people's, to people's lives. They're you know reducing their weight. It's reducing their um, A1Cs. Um, and with that, do you? I mean, you talked about you have more energy. That's a that was a byproduct of. Of you getting on that Ozempic, or did that happen with the metformin too? Or no, it doesn't generally happen with the metformin. Okay. Um, after you, a couple of weeks after you've been on metformin and you adjust to the nausea, you don't even know you're on it anymore. Okay. Um, really, the loss of fat um, really has a hormonal um, component that really helps with your energy. Gotcha. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so then, is has there been a shift in like not going on a long acting or fast acting insulin and just going straight to one of these Ozempics? What what are they called? GOP one. Um, GOP ones. Um, yeah, some providers are starting to go to the GOP one before the insulin. Okay. Um, it's not all sorted out yet. Gotcha. It's too new. It's yeah, exactly. And so there's going to need to be some yeah. uh, trial done on some of that. Another, going back to the energy. Um, people think because their sugar levels high, they have more energy. But that is energy that's untapped. It's only energy when it goes into the cell. So if you have a 250 blood sugar running around in your system, your cells are starving. You only have energy when that sugar transfers into the cell. Gotcha. So let's just sum a little quick from the lifestyle, from the diet piece. One of the things that we don't want to do is 
drink liquid calories. We don't want to drink sugary drinks. First thing. Even juice. There's a reason juice glasses are small. Juice, pop, foo-foo coffees, milk. Is milk okay? Milk is a carbohydrate. Um, Whole milk used to get a bad rap. Uh, until they started realizing the fat in whole milk slows down its absorption. Um, carbohydrate absorption is like paying taxes. You want it, you want to wait as long as you can to pay your taxes. <laughs> you want to spread it out. Sure. So you want to spread out the absorption of carbohydrates as well. That's where fibers and fats come in. So whole milk, you know, you're getting the cholesterol, you have to realize. But also, you're slowing down how fast it's absorbed. Gotcha. Then it's just in moderation. There's a reason milk glasses are 8 ounces. Sure. And not 16. Um, so, like, I shouldn't get a 2 liter of, <laughs> of Coca-Cola. <laughs> I'm thinking of Elf right now, where he chugs that 2 liter of Coke. And, and then the syrup. That's right. <laughs> Favorite food groups, right? Syrup. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, syrup. Yeah. <laughs> Great recipe for diabetes. <laughs> That's what not to do. Um, you said importance of fiber and fats. Um, that's a great point. Talk to me a little bit about what our plate should look like if if we're, we're making a meal. Um, everybody remembers the old picnic. Uh, plate from their childhood. There's a big part and two small parts. Um, the big part should be full of your broccolis, your cauliflowers, your kales. Um, and one thing to remember when you drench those good things in ranch dressing that's processed ranch <laughs> dressing, you know, processed foods are the one of the biggest reasons we're where we're at sure um foods that come out of factories are not always the best for us so you should have the big portion with the non-starchy vegetables and then a smaller part with your corn um with your uh, peas without the shells um some beans uh, some beans have enough fiber that they can go over in the big part. Okay. Um, like your pinto beans and your your other top beans. Um, and then cheeses, meats go in the other small side. Eggs, you know, eggs are better than carbs. Um, and then you have to eat a lot of, a lot, a lot of eggs to really get your cholesterol high enough to do damage. You know what's missing from this plate, Jim, is my tortillas, my French breads, my artisan breads yeah. uh, that I love to have slathered in butter. They go over in the small part. Small part. Okay, so that yeah. that can go over there, but you want it to be minimal. Yeah, shrimp po' boy is not your <laughs> <friend>. <laughs> And I like a good oyster po'boy as much as the next person, but that French bread is that's pure carbs. Talk to me real quick about how exercise plays a role in this. Uh, we talked a little bit about a twenty-minute walk six days a week. How can that affect our blood sugar? 
So we took some pretty hardcore diabetics, uncontrolled, um, that were in a class that we had at One Health. Um, we had a meal that was what we're talking about, balanced on the picnic plate with the three sections. Um, waited 30 minutes and did a finger stick and checked their blood sugars. Um, three of them were, you know, what you'd expect to see a diabetic uncontrolled to run, you know, 290, 300. And then we did a 20-minute walk from the office, 10 minutes out and 10 minutes back. Came back in, sat down for a few minutes, checked everybody's blood sugar. And we had some pre-diabetics in the group too. Checked everybody's blood sugar. And there was nobody that their blood sugar hadn't came down 10 or 15 points. Nice. So it's a, it's good as a sugar control. It's good as an exercise in your heart. It's good um, building lung capacity. You know, you don't – this might hurt some people's feelings, but some people that run marathons are just as unhealthy as some diabetics with – TNA1Cs, you know, you don't have to go out and do extreme exercise, uh, especially for diabetic, you know, and especially with if you have, you know, if you say, I can't do that, I have neuropathy, my feet burning. Sure, people. yeah. Um, getting your blood sugar down will eventually decrease your neuropathy. I love the idea of the smaller incremental. Look, I, I love both, okay, because uh, I do love the long runs. My son is uh, going to start training for his first marathon this year. He ran an 18-miler last year. And so we love the long races. We love doing that kind of thing. But probably sure. eight of them a year is not good. <laughs> <laughs> but, but six 20-minute walks a week or two, three, 10, 15-minute walks a day. Yeah. If I could fit those in, I try to do that as well as, you know, do a three mile, five mile, seven mile run. Yeah. And we're just not, we're just not looking at it with this program, uh, but your yogas, your weight training, you know, muscle mass, it you know, burns fat. So, um, you know, you don't you don't want to end up sixty and not have any muscle mass left. No doubt, yeah. So that's I just, all things to consider. I mean, because this is diabetes robs people of their lives. Okay, it rob it robs people of joy. You said this program. Talk to me a little bit about this program that you're going to start uh, uh, utilizing with some of your patients. Um, we will be, and we have been doing um, diabetic education for our. Uh, folks, um, we um, bring people in. Uh, it's a program that was developed by the um, Southern Illinois School of in Endocrinology and then put into practice in one of their clinics, peer-reviewed, case-studied. Uh, and basically, it's a two-hour intensive diabetic education for... Um, in their case, because they were in the Chicago area, low socioeconomic folks, um, and came out that that is um, 
a provable, effective way to do diabetic education. Um, the being a product of the VA, the self-managed diabetes is the Bible and the way I was brought up in this. Uh, and this program, that's its grandfather. Uh, everything in the two hours is based on the two-day in, intensive um, education program that the VA does. Uh, but it's in more manageable uh, one-hour bites um, to give folks a chance to get it, go home and absorb it, think about it, ask, you know, come up with questions, and then come back and um, kind of leave with knowing what diabetes is. Because, you know, probably not our providers, but a lot of folks have been given the diagnosis of diabetes and their frame of reference has been their family, you know, their outcomes and struggles of diabetes, and that's all they've known about diabetes. You know, they've got somebody that went blind, somebody that's on mm. dialysis, somebody that's had um, digits and feet amputated and heart attacks and stroke, and that's what they think their outcome has to be. They think it's a non-curable, non-manageable disease that they're just going to keep sliding into. They view it as a death sentence, basically. It is a death sentence, yeah. It's a cancer, basically. And it's not. It's even in its worst, especially with the tools that we have now, even in its worst diagnosis, um, they can get some quality of life back. And you're living proof. Yeah. James Brown. Wow. I was just a little. Yeah. <laughs> I was just a little in it. <laughs> hey, hey, Jim, talk to me just real quick about the sugar rush. What is it and why is it important for this community? Um, first and foremost, it emphasizes education or exercise. It emphasize, it funds education. It emphasizes exercise. Uh, it raises money that's used to help supplement the diabetes program. Um, it gets a bunch of us together. Uh, I'm there going around talking to people. You know, the last one that we put on, I picked up several people that I'm now helping out with different things that didn't know I exist. Love it. Love to uh, hear that. Getting people involved with uh, continuous glucose monitors. Um, you know, making them aware that, you know, the state, the Montana State Diabetes Program, the folks at the health department have been lobbying on their own, our state legislatures, um, who have their hands in how Medicare and Medicaid gets funded and actually had about Two to three wins this last legislative session for getting um, the reduction in the cost of insulin. Awesome. For getting them to pay for um, continuous glucose monitors with only one insulin injection. And gestational diabetic uh, moms without insulin qualifying for a 
CGM so they can monitor their diet and help protect their baby. So an event like this also helps bring awareness to, to all of that. the ongoing issue. Yeah. It brings us all together. Agreed. Um, uh, just a little plug for the Sugar Rush. That will be April 20th, 2024 in Hardin, Montana at the Bighorn County Fairgrounds at 10 a.m. You can register online at runsignup.com. We'll put a link in the description down at the bottom. So if anyone wants to do that, um, raises awareness, raises money for internal diabetes programs. And the hope is to at some point have a diabetes prevention program in addition to the self-management of diabetes program that currently exists with you. Correct, Jim? Yeah, I got uh, the arthritis uh, move with ease uh, certification done, walk with ease, um, which brought a lot of awareness to that um, exercise. And again, we're talking about arthritis and diabetes together, um, being an autoimmune inflammatory issue. Uh, and also, um, we have some real interest in uh, gentle yoga. Some people know it as yin yoga, which is good for, can be done in chairs, it can be done on the floor, um, and doesn't, it? it's strengthening, helps people maintain and improve their muscle mass. And also pool walking, we're really interested in that. Uh, it's um, resistance at the same time. It is good for your muscles. And it's light on the joints. Light on the joints. Um, you know, it's just one of the best ways for a diabetic to exercise. Jim, closing thoughts. If you had a patient right here and there was one piece of advice that you wanted to give to a patient who has diabetes, what would that be? You have to partner with your provider. I'm going to give you the education. I'm going to explain what's going on. Uh, but your provider and you are going to be making decisions about your medication treatment. Um, and it is important to give the provider feedback. You're only going to, generally, you're only going to see your provider every three months. Um, but if they start you on a medication, if they start you on an insulin, um, you need to give them your feedback, uh, your CGM readings, your glucose readings. Um, don't just start on metformin and decide it's not for you and wait three months till you go back. If you start on metformin, you're not tolerating the side effects. Get back with your provider. Have a provider, and that's the best thing about One Health, everybody. All of our, we have a lot of different personalities. There's a personality to fit every patient, and you, it's a, you have to build a team. I'm just a cheerleader. Sure. Thank you, man. Oh, you're welcome. For Thank coming you. in. Thanks for talking about this. Big, big deal here where we live. We really want to get the word out about this and educate as much as possible, not only from the perspective of what to do if you have it, but how not to get it. It is entirely preventable. Entirely. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, would you please 
share it with somebody who you think might benefit. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, would you like, follow, subscribe to this podcast and write a review on your podcast app of choice? Thanks for joining us on this episode of The One in Five, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.